0: Backs against the wall. Guess that's how this program likes to operate, huh?
1: They just wouldn't have it any other way. Big win over Virginia Tech, three in a row. Starting to buy in a little bit here. This is going to be a fun FizCast today. I know we said not bring up that T word for a little bit, but hey, they look like a different team these past couple games.
0: The ebbs and flows of a Syracuse basketball season. There's really nothing like it. And here they are with the big matchup against Notre Dame on Wednesday. Tim, can they finally, finally shut down a big man?
1: <laughs> I don't know. That's my concern. We haven't, we still haven't seen them take down a big man. It was good matchups against Virginia Tech, but you know we'll discuss it on this episode because I do think we've seen a little bit more from the front court in the past couple games, especially Dolajai.
0: There's never been a greater storyline going into a game than Syracuse Notre Dame, four wins in a row at stake. Can they flip that loss from earlier in the season? Can they get it done
1: 4-0 on the road in ACC play? Never been play? a bigger storyline ever, you're saying that? Never. Never. Can they stop
0: the big man? Can Barama show up? Can, Can Griff- he get to the corner? Can Griff and <laughs> Beheim coach him up? We yeah. discuss right now. This is the FizzCast.
1: Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of Orange Fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York Airwaves. It's Fizz Radio.
0: Well, here we go again. Jonathan Hoppy back with Tim Leonard. Another edition of the FizzCast. Syracuse fresh off a 71-69 win against Virginia Tech on Saturday. Tim, I tell you, they had to have that game, but really every game feels like a must win at this point.
1: Yeah, it's getting to that stage, and man, you were down there in Blacksburg. You called me up right before that final possession. We knew that was the season. These are the type of moments that Syracuse is make or break. Yeah, they've gone the other way so far with the first loss to Virginia Tech, the loss to Notre Dame, but now winning at Virginia, it went their way. The final shot, Kihei Clark misses. And then again, after good defense on that final possession, kind of adjusted the zone a little bit, bring Hughes up and They look like a little bit better of a team right now. We'll see. I'm still not fully bought in, but these three wins have at least made them relevant. Man, this team just feels confident. It does. They feel
0: like they can go anywhere and get the win, and that's what happens when you go on the road to Charlottesville. No matter where they're ranked, no matter where they are in the net rankings, Ken Palm, you name it, doing that is huge, and we're now seeing the rewards of that for Syracuse. They've now won three straight games, and they're 3-0 and on the road.
1: I know. It's crazy. Wow. They won, I think, three road games last year in ACC play, maybe four, and now they're one away from tying that. And they blew out Georgia Tech the first game. That has looked pretty good, stood the test of time a little bit. And then Virginia and Virginia Tech, that's two quad one wins right now. Virginia Tech, no matter what, will be a quad one win, you'd think, because they're 32 in the net, at least going into this game against Syracuse so that should hold up as a quad one win and you've got a couple more opportunities here but like we have said throughout is you just got to keep sort of flipping some of these games like Virginia Tech I'd say was a game you flipped on Ken Palm the Hokies were supposed to win at home they came back late you almost threw it away but you held on and you get a flipped win which is what you need to do out after the non-conference stretch which was Obviously, a train wreck for Syracuse. They still have a ways to go, I'd say, before you get inside the bubble. But all you can do is take it one game at a time. That's what Boeheim's been saying, and that's what they're doing.
0: That's all you can do is win. And this is a coach's dream. One game at a time, how could these players not buy into that? It's so clear that that's the formula right now, and they go on the road Buddy Bayheim has one of the best games of his career. How about him? I'd say probably the best game of his career. He tied a career high, played great against Georgia Tech when he set that new career high. That
1: was just one half, though. This was from start to finish, inside, outside. It wasn't just the three ball, and that's kind of what he did against BC, too.
0: He can get inside now. Yeah. He can create his shot off the dribble. He is a real weapon offensively. Talking to Elijah Hughes after the game, he's saying... He's becoming that prolific guy, not just a shooter. He had that one offensive rebound late in the game, the putback where he got fouled. I looked around in the stands, and especially those in the Syracuse contingent, whoa, they'd never seen that before.
1: Right. He's adding different layers to his game. Do you see what uh, Eli tweeted after what the he game? Said? He said, Buddy Bayheim that's it. That's the tweet. And, of course, <laughs> it blew up a little bit. And it does feel like they have a sort of a good bromance, him and Joe Girard as well. Buddy and Joe Girard, really, the whole team seems to be. Buddy seems pretty well liked. Yeah, I mean, how could you not? The way he's playing right now for this team, and he's not a selfish guy by any means, but he's added some more wrinkles to his game. And I gotta say, I mean, as a sophomore, this is just exceeds any sort of expectations you could have had for Buddy Beheim at this point in his career. I know. Part of the reason why he wasn't really recruited is because you'd figure that he was going to Syracuse all along, and probably some people knew that. He did get an offer from Gonzaga and Mark Few that we know of, but still, it wasn't like his rankings were that high. He wasn't a top 100 guy, and here he is as a sophomore, almost top five in the ACC in scoring right now, and he probably wouldn't be putting up those numbers if he was on a Duke or something. Yes, it's a product of the situation. But still, I think he would be starting on any ACC team, really any team in the country right now, the way he's playing.
0: And it's funny, too. So many times this year we've heard, maybe not so much this year, definitely last year, oh, the coach's son, get him out of there. I don't know why he's playing. If he wasn't Jim's son, he wouldn't be playing. That's a bunch of garbage. And we know that. We know how good of a shooter he is. But now he's showing us that he's more than a shooter. And last year we did not see that. So now he is exceeding all expectations in year two. He is becoming a legit scorer that, frankly, I didn't think he would be this far along at this point in his sophomore year.
1: I don't think you could have thought. I don't think anyone could have dreamed of this at this point in his career. And by the way, we say he's added more dimensions to his game. Well, the shooting has also sort of improved based on the volume that he's taking. He's 41%, and he's made the fifth most threes in the entire country right now. So he's shooting a lot, and even when he's struggling, he's still shooting like the Virginia game, and he's still making an impact on the game like he did at the end of that Virginia game. He finally started to hit some shots, but he's improved his defense, as Jim said afterwards. I mean, you can't say enough good things about him. And Harrison Singer and I discussed maybe an all-ACC bid for him. I think you'd be foolish to not put him at least on the third team right now. I think Hughes should probably be first team, and he should be third team Maybe second team if he really keeps it up and improves maybe even a little bit or stays on this recent trajectory. But you got to give him an all-ACC nod if he finishes top six or seven in the conference in scoring.
0: Man, his stroke is lethal.
1: Yeah. It really
0: <laughs> is. That high release
1: point, everything you want in a two-guard. Nice wide base. I mean, GMAC, I think, even said to uh, Matthew Gutierrez at The Athletic, he was saying, "Is no flaws in that shot. There's right. nothing wrong with it.
0: There's not. It's a great-looking shot. Not only does he have a great shot right now, but his defense is starting to improve. I mean, to me, he's the talk of the town right now. Yeah. He's the reason why this team is starting to turn the corner.
1: But also the role players recently. I mean, you got to give some Dolishai's credit. has been great for Dolishai, a month. his numbers, when you look at 2020 to 2019, it's like he's a different player. I mean, he's rebounding at least 10 a game now in ACC play, which obviously... We haven't really talked about rebounding that much, and partially because the matchups are making it a little bit easier for Syracuse to rebound. I mean, Virginia, not a great rebounding team. BC, really not a good rebounding team. And Virginia Tech doesn't have much height. So that does play a factor as to why they're on this winning streak. I'm still not fully bought in because we still haven't seen them take down a team that has a big man, but we'll get that chance. That's This is their chance on Wednesday against Notre Dame to kind of get revenge against Mooney.
0: They probably can't do it. You know, that's probably going to be a thing that that holds out for a while. Quickly though, Mark Dolajai, eleven points, eleven boards, five for seven from the field. Just such a smart player. Yeah. (laughs) He's he's just fun to watch. We
1: say it every week, but it's like he's being not talked about enough somehow. I mean he's just
0: so confident. I mean got the game started last time against Virginia Tech with a couple easy inside baskets. He can bruise inside. If only he had more size. He would be so dangerous but right. still at his weight he is effective on the inside he really is and he's everything they need him to be as a power forward crazy to think that Quincy Garrier was once going to start at the four right because this is the answer and I think I'm even guilty of saying hey maybe they should switch should switch something up get some more offense in there this starting five is clearly the best unit
1: you think so? Even with Sadibe over Garrier? I mean, Garrier looked pretty good against Virginia Tech. So is that even a possibility in your mind? Only against a Virginia Tech-type team in terms of height and size. Quincy
0: basically played—he he did play more than, than Barama yeah. anyway.
1: He was the starting center in the closing stretch. I mean, Barama, and Barama and Quincy both have to stop getting in foul trouble. They're only able to play 24 or 25 minutes because they have three or four fouls already. I mean— felt like I didn't see Barama on the court much against Virginia Tech, and maybe you could speak to this a little bit more, but it, he still somehow had four fouls, and he was pulled early after not getting to the corner, and Virginia Tech got off to that great start, and then Buddy bounces back. It was definitely a game of runs, kind of similar to that Oklahoma State game. But going back to Dolezal real quick, remember, I forget exactly what game it was, but probably early December, mid-December, when Beheim just straight up said, like, I don't know what's going on with Marek, but we just need him to play better. And I don't know, he just can't shoot, and he called him out. And can you imagine He's that? He's answered the call. Right. It's it's almost like he took that to heart, and maybe that was Beheim's intention, and he was sort of talking to his player through the media because it doesn't feel like it is possible that he said that less than a month ago probably or maybe a little over a month ago. forget the exact date, but this is a completely different player.
0: He's so steady. A double-double for him against Virginia Tech. Barama Sidibe, he's not so steady. Four points, five rebounds, only took two shots. But anyone who watched the game saw Barama get chewed out by Bayheim at the start, and they were saying he can't get to the corner, and we joked about it earlier. That's never going to change in my mind. You know what you have. He's not going to be able to get out there, especially against – a Virginia Tech team that has a guy like Jalen Cohn, who is lethal from the outside, that stinks. Right. So while they don't have a big, you get him out and get Quincy in, who can maybe stretch the floor a little bit defensively. So that's definitely the answer. But when you play someone like John Mooney in Notre Dame, Barama's probably your best bet.
1: Yeah, you, you probably have to go to him. And that had to be so frustrating for Jim and Alan Griffin at the start of that Virginia Tech game, because what Jim said in the press conference afterwards was basically, that's what we worked on in practice. I mean, he knew Mike Young and Virginia Tech were going to try to get it to Cone in the corner. That's the guy who scored 19 points against them inside the dome. And they executed, and Syracuse planned to counteract that, and Barama just couldn't get out there. And as Jim said, he didn't execute on what we practiced. So that's why he was giving him an earful. But it's not like that's going to change at this point. I, I do think you need him in there against the You know Imani. who he is. Yeah. I mean, we say this every week, but he's not right. giving you the time. Why is this even still a conversation? It shouldn't be. <laughs> Why <laughs> we is know Jim the
0: even screaming at bro It just seems like it's almost a lost cause at this point. I mean, Sidibe committed a foul in the second half, and then he clearly fouled the guy, by the way. And then he comes off the court with his hands in the air and – and every time Barama does something, Jim's giving him an earful. It just seems like a yeah. tired act, as we would say.
1: Well, he's just trying to coach. He's still trying to get a little bit more because he knows that's their biggest flaw right now. But Nothing at the end seems of the day, be working. I think if you could get into Jim Beheim's brain and he could just be somehow incredibly honest with us, he would tell you that he knows that Barama's kind of tapped out. But he's still going to coach him because even if he makes a minor change and gets to the corner a little bit more frequently, that can make a difference. He needs all the help he can get.
0: Yeah. Barama Sidibe. But, Tim, that's what's fun about this game against Notre Dame. We have seen at times Barama be somewhat effective. In that Virginia game, he had flashes inside against Mamadi Diakite. Against Notre Dame round one, he was okay. It always feels like he starts all right although for he this game. didn't yeah. against Virginia <laughs> yeah. Tech. Right. And then things just get get some at the end of the game. So yeah. that's what concerns me. When we look at this team right now, they're 4 and 3 in ACC play. That's a good start. They're over 500 in a mediocre ACC. They just took care of business on the road against a team they lost to at home. That's good news. Yeah. While Virginia Tech has won 8 of 9, they are sort of trending in the negative direction statistically in a few areas. But still one of the top teams in the ACC in a down year. You go on the road and you get that win, that's a big deal. But the problem still remains, they can't stop a big and that's why this Wednesday game is so fascinating because it's round two of early season rematch. You beat Virginia Tech after losing. Now you lost on a last-second miss by Joe Girard. By one point in heartbreaking fashion to Notre Dame, can you slow them down? I think they can because Prentice Hub made so many ridiculous shots in the game. They hit so many threes, and so did SU. I think they'll win this game.
1: So it's kind of poetic the way that they took down Virginia Tech in revenge fashion because it was almost like deja vu all over again for a while. And in order to get over the hump, they had to do something they couldn't do the first time in the Dome, which was stop the comeback and prevent it and then answer the comeback that Virginia Tech put together. Because once it got to 51-48, whatever it was in that range, that's when you sort of were like, okay— here we go, time to figure out in these final 10 minutes how much this team has changed. So it was poetic the way they got over that hump. This week, there's going to be a point where it's, can you stop John Mooney? That's what Notre Dame basically that one the is. That won him the game last time. Car. Right. And Mooney had, what, 28 and 14. You can't have that happen again on the road. So that is, they've got to get over that hump. But I will say the way that they fought back, And we saw Howard Washington get some great minutes. We should mention him because obviously the way he played was a big boost to that team in the second half. Plus 14. I know his shot is still not quite there, and that's probably preventing him from getting significant minutes because they can just double him. I mean, they doubled or they can just double Elijah, which forces Howard to have to take a shot and makes things way more tougher on the offense in general because the team knows scouting-wise that Howard's not really making shots right now. But he said something interesting after that BC game when I talked to him, and that was probably his best game to date, maybe until this game against Virginia Tech. And he said, I just feel more confident right now. I'm getting more of a rhythm out there because he's playing more minutes. So it does feel like each time he plays, he's getting a little bit better because he's sort of working his way back in. I mean... We forget, but this is a guy who was recovering from a stroke not that long ago, which makes this whole story even more remarkable.
0: So that's something I wanted to ask you about, too. Howard Washington legitimately in the mix now in the rotation. So in my mind, it's like a big two of Bayheim and Hughes. I think we're almost getting away from the big three. Gerard is still there, but a lot of people like Howard Washington – and I think, based on where Gerard is at right now as a freshman, he might almost be more effective if he gets some time on the bench and is not expected to play the full forty.
1: Yeah, I would say it's more a byproduct of Buddy elevating his game to make it a big two. Less of it's it's more of that than For just sure. Gerard it's plateauing. It's not like Gerard's, Gerard's been bad. He's actually been getting better.
0: Buddy's just separating himself, and then Elijah who started slow I think 1 for 10 against Virginia Tech. You know he comes get on his. in the second half, hits a 3, gets an and-one, does some great things. Those two players are just so elusive at the moment.
1: Yeah. It's definitely a big 2. I mean, you look at the ACC scoring and how could you not argue that right now? You got Elijah who's second in the conference, Buddy who's sixth in the conference. Is big
0: 2 good enough? I feel like there's something better than that. Big 3. I well, guess that's coined <laughs> originally you
1: think that's goes back to the Celtics or the Heat, the big 3? No, oh, I'm a Celtics fan, so I'm going to say Celtics. Okay. That also came before the Heat. I mean, feels like most
0: recently though, that's that's kind of what you think of. Yeah. And remember We're relatively
1: young too. Uh our our colleague Gil Gross asked Jim Beheim if there is a big 3 oh, At and one he point, got slammed to yeah. the ground.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Gil. Rumor but, has it he's still on the ground Yeah.
1: That. And uh Jim just said, like, something to the effect. We don't of, have a big three. I, we're a team. I don't know why this big three <laughs> term has been thrown around.
0: We'll work on a nickname. Maybe we can come up with something. That, to me, though, the combination of those two and then this 2-3 zone, listen, it's hard not to buy in right now. And I know we've had a ton of conversations about this because at the start of the season, this team was so frustrating. Now, not as much. And you could point to a few things. You could say the schedule was harder in the non-conference with that one stretch of games where they got thrashed, which is probably the case. Yeah, this is a pleasing team to watch at the moment, and the two-three zone always gives you a chance. I mean, can you not? Do you not watch this team and sit here and think, man, if they get it as a ten, you don't want to see the orange, right?
1: I mean, it's yeah, year it's after every year. Syracuse team <laughs> for year the past after year. five years. It, that's what we're seeing again. People have been joking about it like uh-oh, Syracuse going on their Final Four run, like warming up for it now. I I mean, you want to address the elephant in the room here, like what is your percentage chance of tournament? I'd oh, say it's, it's higher
0: than 5 or 6. Well, whoever yeah, that had was that. thrown
1: out before Virginia Tech. I think it was team rankings. I'd say
0: right now it's about
1: 25-30%. Yeah, I would say I'm around there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and it it's, it's climbing. A little...
0: It's climbing by the day. Listen, I'm not trying to sit here and be a homer. But you've got to realize what this team is doing. They're stepping up to the task. They are doing things that we did not think they could do. Now, do they look like the best team in the ACC? No, but they look like a team that can beat Notre Dame. They look like a team that can beat Pitt. And then on the road against Clemson before Duke, that's a tough game.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, there's a world where... They've won
0: six games
1: before Duke. There is a world yeah. where that
0: happens, but the
1: the, the thing <laughs> that's that pretty crazy. I'm talk, turning but... to.
0: They look like they're starting to figure things out. They were up on the road at Virginia Tech by 16 points. Yeah, they have the scoring to beat anybody on any day, in my opinion.
1: Anyone in this conference for sure. And I know Jim's trying to say maybe after the game he talked about how a lot of these teams are actually better compared to last year and just because the top is down doesn't mean the ACC is down but Virginia Tech's a young team and it's a good win yes but let's be honest I mean no one on that roster is scary from a Syracuse side of things if you're when you're going up again Nolly's a good player but he's a young player that has happened to kind of elevate his game because there's not really much else scoring-wise. They do have some three-point shooters, which is tough matchup-wise for Syracuse. But this conference, there's wins out there. I mean, these three games we're talking about coming up at Notre Dame, Clemson on the road, in between that is home against Pittsburgh. That could be three wins. I mean, they don't have to do anything abnormal. They just have to play a relatively good game or play like they did in the past two to three games. And against Notre Dame, you've probably got to adjust and make sure that you're focusing on Mooney. But you do that for every game. You focus on a certain type of aspect of the other team. They've
0: just got to keep winning. That's the bottom line. The more they win, the greater that percentage chance is going to be. That's just the facts. Yeah. That's how this is going to work. If they beat Notre Dame, they turn to Pitt. You can't look at the big picture and say, how many wins do they need? Well, really, they need to get to 20 wins, and they would probably need to win a couple of games in the ACC tournament to even feel good about a shot at being on the bubble. Yeah. That's just sort of how this is working with an ACC that's not that good. But also, they would need wins. To me, you've got to win against either Florida State or Louisville. You well, need red. one of those games. A road game against a legit top 25 opponent. You need one of those to put that feather in your cap.
1: It feels a lot like that year, now three years ago, the last time they didn't make the tournament. So NIT year, where it was Andrew White, John Gillen, Tyus Battle's freshman year, Tyler Lydon's sophomore year, where they were just so, so bad in non-conference play, had no quality wins, and then they started to get on a run. And we look back on that team and I have good memories because of the way they finished the season. They had these quality They also wins. had
0: some bad losses in non con. Right.
1: So that but that this team had no wins in non con. I mean, let's not it's it's pretty similar in a sense. I know they didn't lose to St. John's by thirty at home, but <laughs> they still I mean, they couldn't score against Penn State. They couldn't score against Oklahoma State to start those games. It's not like I it's think that the committee would
0: look at that more favorably than a home loss to St. John. And and we're not here to compare these two teams, but I totally get the similarities that you see. And if they continue to win games, it's just funny because we talk about sports and we talk about being in or out. Well, I tweeted after the loss to Virginia Tech. I even said the word tournament and got about (laughs) 20 replies on Twitter. Well, here we are, and surely somebody's out there What are these guys even talking about? The tournament, this team sucks. They haven't done anything. It's
1: not like we're saying they're going to make
0: it. No, we said 30%. Right. That's what we said. And that might be higher than some think, but that's still a reasonable number in my eyes, just because we know what this program is capable of and and how they go on these type of runs. I mean, they didn't win three straight ACC games but one time last year. So if they can make it four, you win four games in the league. Four games in the league, including three on the road. That's an accomplishment, no matter who you're playing. So I'm just telling you, there is a formula for them to get to the tournament, and all it takes is game by game. But that's why I can't wait for Wednesday. I think Wednesday is going to be one of the most telling SU basketball games we have seen in quite some time. And we probably said the same thing about Saturday. Well, that's that's, what's fun. That's what's happening. So if you're enjoying this ride,
1: it is kind of fun. Hey, welcome to the party.
0: It is fun because. This is sports. Every game matters. It almost feels like college football because every game is the playoff.
1: Yeah. Every game matters. It's a fun point. I mean, as a Syracuse basketball fan, given the reputation of the program, you don't want to ever be in this situation. It's not good. But at the same time, these games in January, mean, a ton. And you, I mean... As you, as you called me before that Virginia Tech play, we're saying this is the season. Terrible shot, by the way. Yeah, awful shot. And if they make that play, we're on here again. It's the same thing we said after Virginia, but it's just so true. All Virginia Tech has to do is throw the ball down low, make a play, and we're talking about how there's no point of even watching this Notre Dame game. Maybe. Right.
0: These little split-second deci- decisions, Kehe Clark from the left wing, in and out. Eh, yeah. Overtime, S U blitzism, all these things. Now BC you can't really pinpoint that one. Thing. And, a, <laughs> and a lot
1: well, a lot of people are now going back, and I find this funny, and saying they could be six and one. If you look at that Virginia Tech game and the Notre Dame game, those are split seconds. They right. could be six and one in ACC play, fourteen and four or something like that. And heck, they'd be inside the bubble if they just won those two home games. But that's sports. I mean, Jim even said Someone asked him, like, is this team more confident now? He said, I think we were always confident. Right. We just didn't he get the, that down those quick. two wins against Virginia Tech-Notre Dame. Well, now if you get them on the road, you already got the one against Virginia Tech this Wednesday. If you slay that big man demon, then I think this is real justified hype. That's a big checkpoint in my eyes.
0: Someone said after the game against Virginia Tech on Saturday— Oh, that was the biggest game of the season so far. Biggest win of the season. Come on, man. Are we really going to do that for the rest of the year? Probably.
1: I mean, that's basically what we're doing. Right. <laughs> but
0: are we really going to dub that after the game, oh, biggest win of the year? Because we will. It's true. Every yeah. game is the Now big- there's
1: 20 ACC games. So we got Basically, two more.
0: what I should say is the person making that argument was saying that is one of the most important games of the year. Well, yes, but they all are. Right. If they win on the road at Notre Dame for four straight wins after a couple of really bad losses to start the year at home, that's massive. Yeah. Even if they get pit five in a row. Can you imagine if they've won five in a row and they go to Clemson and make it six on the road
1: ahead of Duke? yeah, <laughs> I mean, slow down a little. Right, but we could sit <laughs> here
0: all day long, and that's why as a fan, as a coach, as a player, you have to take this one at a time.
1: I would say there's a better chance of them winning the next three games than losing all three. You'd expect to at least get that home win over Pitt. This Notre Dame game, we'll see. I still, I mean, this is their moment to prove that big man thing and get over that hump because that's my only concern really now with this team. I've seen better closing stretches. They've looked more confident down the stretch. So they've kind of checked that hurdle for the moment. But even, I mean, they did blow that lead against Virginia Tech, and you get a little lucky to win a game by one point whenever you do it that way. But he missed some free throws. It's never flawless. It's college basketball. But this is the game now where you can take down Mooney, which you think they should be able to do. I mean, Notre Dame does not have much. Pfluger, I think, is still hurt, and he obviously got hurt against Syracuse, so that they didn't have him for the second half. They— they're not a deep team with all the injuries and different stuff they've had go on this year. So it's going to be Prentice Tubb, Joe Girard again. That should be kind of fun after the whole theatrics there at the end of the last game. But Mooney is the guy that you have to stop. And if you're Jim Beheim and you're the rest of the Syracuse coaching staff, that's all you're telling your team this week is let's shut that guy down because that's the way they beat you.
0: All right, let's see what happens. Syracuse, Notre Dame coming up on Wednesday. I think they get it done four in a row. What say
1: you, Tim? Man, I think they win. I I, I think I'm buying in. You 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 probably convince me a little bit.
0: Last chance to buy in on the tournament talk. By the way, we're down at thirty percent. Not last chance, but you got to yeah, start thinking there. about it.
1: I, if you want to claim that you were an early right, goer it, here. If,
0: if you're getting on the train, you got to get on now because they're in a situation where they could really start to change some things in the next few weeks okay i'll talk to you on thursday gil gross and i have fizz radio that'll be out sometime online thursday and then we'll have the show as always on the score 1260 saturday mornings at nine and we've got coverage of every su basketball game the rest of the way buckle up fizz nation the orange have won three straight games we'll talk to you soon